morning. I'll try not to do the whole shaky hand thing, don't it? Um, well, wasn't that nice, just being in his presence? What was really lovely for me was that Pete basically just prayed my entire preach. So that gives me a little bit of confidence that I do hear from God. Um, so as Adrian said, this morning I'm not really going to be... Um, teaching as such in the sense that I'm not going to be expounding a Bible verse, but um, I wanted to share with you some things that I feel like God's been speaking to me about over the last little while um, in relation to the importance of knowing our identity and not just knowing it, but applying it and how that affects the bigger picture of us moving in power in this church and people in Chelmsford and around getting to know what Jesus has done for them. So one of the ways that my prophetic gifts works is that um, God speaks to me in strategy. Um, So sometimes I believe, and thankfully the elders believe it too, that sometimes um, God shows me what he's going to do, and then he shows me how he's going to get there. And sometimes he shows me just the overall thing, and sometimes he shows me um, kind of minute detail. And so I want to share some of that with you this morning. Um, I think it's important to say when we're talking about strategy and stuff like that, though, God isn't a tyrant. If we don't follow everything to the letter, then he's going to take um, our toys away from us. That isn't right. And, of course, I'm not always right. You know, we prophesy in part. That's what the word says. So um, I'm just sharing with you what I think and what I feel for this season that we're in, but it's up to you to receive what I say and to weigh it and judge it. Okay. So the bigger picture then, Joseph, can I have my slide? Rookie mistake this morning, forgot to bring my PowerPoint with me, so this is my quick one that I knocked up this morning. Um, This is what I feel, am I standing in your way? This is what I feel God revealed to me um, about two years ago about the journey that he was going to take us on as a church in terms of um, moving from where we were at that point into um, advancing the kingdom of God into this city. So it starts with love. Okay. When we understand that we're loved, like we've been receiving this morning, that he loved us first, and that everything he has done is because he loves us, that's quite a powerful thing. Everything he's done has been to reconcile us into relationship with him. Knowing we are loved, whether we feel it emotionally or not, is our starting point in everything. So, church... You are loved. You are loved. God isn't a tyrant. He's not sitting there with a list of things that you've got to do and hoops that you've got to jump through and a tick list of things in order to gain his approval. Just as you are right now, doing nothing, you're loved. And that is our place of rest. Everything we do, everything we say, and everything that we are comes out of that place of rest. So from that place then, if we know that we're loved, we can accept that our identity, that we're children of God, that we're co-heirs with Christ, that we sit at the right hand of the King of Kings, we're sons and daughters of the Most High, seated in high and spacious places, we are adored, accepted, chosen, approved of. All authority has been given to us and Satan sits firmly under our feet. 
Once we know that, what's next? Well, we're free, aren't we? Nothing can stop us. So we move into freedom. It's not that we need to get free. It's that we are free. So we just have to apply that truth to our lives and let the revelation sink in. When we're free, we're powerful to manage our thought life. We have the discipline to apply truth to our lives. Our relationships get a whole lot better because we become for one another. We're not competing. We're not jealous. We're not complaining. We're not undermining. We celebrate people's successes, even in the areas that we're waiting for breakthrough ourselves. We call this honor. Loving one another unconditionally, preferring others, thinking the best of others, and choosing relationship first, even in conflict and disagreement. Yeah, should I say that again? (laughs) Choosing relationship first, even in conflict and disagreement. That, that's unity. I think I shared this once before, but um, I'm going to share it again. Um, Quite a long time ago, about 10 years or so ago, God showed me a picture of unity as being like a grass or hessian rug. You know, the rugs that are made up of individual dry strands of grass. And he showed me that when a rug like that, all the strands are really tightly woven together, like this, then that rug's really malleable. You can kind of roll it up, move it around, do what you want with it. But if a grass rug like that has broken individual reeds or there's gaps between the reeds, you can't move the rug around as much and it gets broken. And I just felt like God was saying the body of Christ is a bit like that rug. That when we're tightly woven together in unity and we're loving one another, regardless of disagreement, The Holy Spirit can really do his stuff with us. He can really flow. I don't really like talking about keys to things because I feel like God's bigger than keys. But I do feel like unity is really important. So if we apply the truth of his love for us and our identity, then we're living in freedom. And if we're living in that place, then we have honoring relationships and unity. And if we have that then I believe God's speaking to us about moving into power from that place. We're impenetrable, aren't we? If because we know our identity, we're defeating the enemy's lies, and we've got each other's backs, we're impenetrable. He can't get us. And if we're powerful and we're moving in his spirit, then what happens? We're fearless. We start to speak to people about the love of God. We have this lovely, honouring environment, this family to bring people into that's safe. The world around us gets changed and transformed. Earth looks like heaven. So where do I feel like we are on this journey right now? Well, I feel like for the season that we're in, We've come through the Freedom Series, haven't we, as a church? We've been looking at our identity. And I feel like we're sitting somewhere between freedom and honor. I know we're going to be moving into honor soon in terms of the preaching and teaching that happens here. But 
before we go, I felt like God wanted me to impress upon all of us, and this is me included this morning, the importance of applying the truth that we've been hearing over the last few weeks. Hearing truth and then applying it to our lives isn't a passive thing. It's an active thing. A couple of weeks ago, Paul Tufnell spoke really excellently on the orphan heart. And um, he spoke to us about what the orphan heart looks like, the effect that it can have on our life, and ultimately what the answer to it is, which of course is the cross. The kiss of the cross, as Pete said this morning. I loved that. Um, Very briefly, I don't want to go into a preach about the orphan heart, but just in case you didn't hear it, essentially the orphan heart is a heart that's disconnected from its father. It's disconnected from the truth of what God has done. And so it lives in a place of not expecting God's goodness and experiencing lack, I suppose. But as Paul said, we're not orphans. We've been chosen and adopted into God's family. We have everything we need for righteousness, freedom, peace, and joy. We have it. We're adored and delighted in royal sons and daughters. I'm going to keep saying this stuff because I want you to keep hearing the truth as I'm feeding it to you because I want you to be able to apply it to your lives. Why is it so important that we know the truth? The truth will set us free, that's right, Alan. Each week, we are privileged to sit here and hear great truth about who we are. Hopefully, in your weeks, you're going to your home groups, you're reading great books, you're listening to worship music. You are saturated in great truth. You're saturated in what Jesus has done for you at the cross. You're saturated in who God says you are. That's what I mean when I say the truth. But as I said earlier, applying truth isn't a passive thing. We have to hear it, and then we have to do something with it. We need to engage with it. Is it real? Is that true? Truth is our ultimate plumb line in life, and it's important that we allow the truth we hear to penetrate through emotion and circumstance. Do we let truth be the lens with which we see experience, or do we let experience be the lens through which we see truth? If we're not allowing truth to rise up in us and cause us to change and cause us to change how we respond to the circumstances that we face and the things that come our way, almost, what's the point? What's the point in hearing it? I wonder how many of us might have listened to a preach like Paul's and thought, I'm all right, I'm ticking along. But then something comes your way, a bad circumstance, someone gets sick, money issues, whatever. And suddenly you find yourself hopeless, full of fear, angry with God, feeling really let down, disconnected, like you don't really want to come to church anymore. 
Now, look, emotions are really important, okay? So <laughs> I'm a big pastoral person and pastoral leadership team, so you're never going to hear me say that emotions aren't important. They are important, and we learn stuff through our emotions. But truth is our plumb line. And emotions and circumstances, they're not truth. They're just feelings and things that happen to us. And I can guarantee that if you learn to apply the truth to your circumstances, your emotions, actually, and your circumstances will feel quite different. (laughs) And we're going to look at a few practicals a bit later, just so you know what I'm talking about. Do you know that there are people in this city who don't know that they are loved? They never get to hear it. They don't get to hear what we get to hear every week. They don't know that they're chosen, adored, delighted in, that they have dignity, significance, value, that they have a source of hope and strength and joy. There are people that never get to hear it. But God wants them to hear it. Because the kiss of the cross was for them. So, how are they going to hear it? Us. We're God's master plan. We're God's master plan. How we live our lives, how we reach out, How we love on the marginalised and the forgotten and the broken, the addicted and the sick. All those people that don't know what Jesus has done for them yet. We're the master plan. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. So family, we don't just hear the truth for us every Sunday. Us as individuals, we hear it for us as a family. But we also hear it for us, the world. The other part of our family that don't know what God has done for them yet. We need to apply the truth to our lives here so that we have something really healing that reflects the kingdom of God to bring people into. When we know that there are so many that need addictions broken, families reconciled, sickness healed, mental health restored, the lonely finding community, the poor finding inheritance, the paupers knowing they are royalty, how can we not take the truth that we hear and apply it to our lives? It's only through applying the truth and allowing ourselves to be transformed that the truth then flows from us and changes the world around us. You know, in churches and communities where... Um, I see a high level of supernatural activity like miracles and healings and people coming to know Jesus. I see principles like thankfulness and gratitude and celebration in their culture. But you can't have that mentality if you're living with an orphan mentality. 
if you're not choosing to believe what God has done for you. You're not likely to feel like you've got anything to offer or anything to give the world if you're feeling hopeless. Often, we're trapped in fear. Often, that's the thing that stops us sharing what God has done in our lives and how much God loves other people. It's fear. Well, apply the truth to your fear. If we're healed and unified and understand who God has made us to be, then we are powerful people. And powerful people have faith. And people with faith take risks. And then those who take and with those risks, the kingdom is extended. The world starts to see God and it knows it has hope. So what does it look like to apply truth? What do I mean? Well, in the most simple terms, it's believing it and choosing to believe it when it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) That's what I mean. Pete already mentioned it this morning. When he prayed, he said, I choose to receive the cross. Then it becomes the lens of truth which shapes our experience. Probably one of the most common things that I used to say and I hear other people say is, I know it in my head, but I don't know it in my heart. It's like we're waiting, or like I was, waiting for some miraculous transformation to just happen and then something would change inside of me. I felt God speak to me about that recently and he said, the transformation has already occurred. It occurred at the cross. We're not waiting for some revelation of truth. We're in truth. He is truth and he is in us and we are in him. Circumstances and emotions, I said, they're not the ground we stand on. We stand on what God has accomplished for us and who he says we are. Your heart does know. Your heart does know. You just need to choose to believe it. And then you need to apply that truth to your circumstances. And because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, we can expect that when we apply our righteousness or our identity, then peace and joy will follow. That's his promise. We're not slaves to our emotions We can apply truth to those intense feelings that we have. We can. Do you know what? Sometimes we feel really shut down, don't we? And it's hard to believe that we're transformed. But we cannot measure whether we are transformed and whether the life we live has been redeemed by how we feel. We have to measure life by what God says. And it's a journey of revelation, which we're all on in one way or another. And there's grace for that journey. But we have to choose the truth. The importance of choosing truth, despite feelings or emotions, feels like the absolute nub of what God wants to say this morning. Don't wait for everything to line up in your life. Okay? We have an enemy. He wants to cause chaos in our lives. 
He does. But we're victorious over him because of what happened at the cross. He has absolutely no authority in our lives. None. So we can apply the truth of who he is to our circumstances. And when I say he, I mean God, obviously not Satan. Just to clarify. (laughs) That'd be an interesting preach, wouldn't it? I'll never get asked to come back, that's for sure. (laughs) Satan wants us to feel disconnected from our kingdom realities. That's what he wants. He wants you to believe you're not connected to your father. The Holy Spirit is our connection. In um, Zechariah, there's a picture, I think it's Zechariah 4, of um, two olive trees and two lampstands. And the image essentially is that God is the olive trees and there is golden oil pouring from the olive trees into these lampstands like a permanent flow. I love that image that the Holy Spirit is just being poured consistently into us and because the holy spirit is our connection to the truth there is just this constant flow of connection thanks to the holy spirit so sometimes when we don't feel that connection what can we do we can stir the holy spirit in us because you know the holy spirit he's not going to force himself on us But he's in here. He's in us. We're in him. So sometimes we have to do things to deliberately stir the spirit. In a sense, it's almost giving him permission to flow and work in our lives. So when you're feeling that disconnection, when you're feeling like you can't apply the truth, what you need is the Holy Spirit, who's ready and willing and waiting for you to go, you are welcome here, Holy Spirit. So practically what you could do, you could listen to worship music, read the word, find some encouraging people to speak some truth to you, declare some stuff over yourself, talk to God and listen. How many of us forget to do that? Oh God, I'm pouring out all my stuff, blah, 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 blah. And we forget to listen to what he's saying back, his words of affirmation and love over us. Take time for him. And when the Holy Spirit rises up in you, faith for the connection that you have and faith for the truth that is real will be present in you. Okay, so um, because this applies to me as much as it applies to you, I thought I'd give a couple of testimonies from my own life, just practical ones in case you're sitting there going, I really don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) Uh, So um, Dave and I fairly recently, well, no, most of our married life, actually, uh, have had financial issues of one sort or another, haven't we? Um, But towards the end of last year, we hit a really big financial mountain. And um, it was one of those times where we had a choice. We could get really fearful and really afraid and panic, and we did have those moments, or we could choose to apply truth. So who does God say he is in those circumstances? He's our daddy. He really loves us. He's not going to see us go under. He's our provider, our Jehovah Jireh. He's put us in a community of people and with loving families who would support us. 
That was the truth we had to apply. And do you know what? There were times when we had to choose that, or me. Dave's better at this stuff than me. Almost hourly, I had to choose. And when I panicked and I couldn't see the truth, I worshipped. And I worshipped. And I prayed in tongues. And I worshipped. And when I couldn't do that, I texted my friends and I went, ah! And they texted me back some really good truth. And they supported me. The provision we have from one another, that's God. Another one, some of you have heard my testimony will know. Um, When I got sick with ME about eight years ago, I had all these prophetic promises over my life that I was going to do all these incredible things. And yet I was laying flat on my back in bed and couldn't get up. I couldn't breathe, really. I couldn't eat. I had no energy. Man, disappointment hit me like a sack of potatoes. I realized, actually, that I had hope in my prophetic words over my life rather than having hope in my God, so that helped. Where had I placed my hope? So what did I do? I declared over myself daily that this wasn't God's best for me. He doesn't want me to be sick. This isn't a test or a trial to strengthen me and build my connection with him. This is not his desire for my life. And when I started to do that, I had hope. And then when I had hope, I started to talk to God again. (laughs) And then actually, I started to get well. I took the truth of who he was and I applied it to my life. My daddy, who loves me, who wants the best for me. So how would we feel then if a new believer saw six people healed in a week and we'd been a Christian for 50 years and hadn't seen one? What truth could we apply? What about when other people get opportunities and you feel like you've been overlooked? Or what about when people get opportunities and you think they shouldn't have those opportunities because you know stuff about their life? What about when your spouse or your child gets sick or someone you really love? What truth could you apply there? What if you didn't get something you hoped for? What if you feel like you never succeed at anything? What's the truth? What if you just feel like you've got nothing to give? Those are all opportunities to apply truth. You need to remind yourselves daily of who you are and choose it. Practically, there's a way that I lead other people through this. And um, I'm going to do it with you at the end, which you'll be pleased to know. Um, it's a really simple prayer which I did have on a slide but I forgot it sorry ask God to show you what the lie is that you're believing that stops you knowing the truth and then repent of the lie remember repentance isn't saying sorry as much as it is choosing to change your mind and believe something different declare truth over yourself What is it that you're coming into agreement with? What's the real truth? And if you're still struggling, ask the Holy Spirit what the truth is. 
Give all of your circumstances and emotions to God. Literally, this helps me, see yourself handing them over. They're not yours to carry. And then ask God what he's giving you. And remember to wait for a reply. So in finishing, before we go into a bit of ministry. We're called by God to make disciples. To extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Our culture should be one of heaven. With love and honour and power flowing from each of us. If we want the world to know who it really is, how significant and loved it is, then we need to create a heavenly home for it to come into. And how do we do that? We receive and trust his love. We choose truth over circumstances and emotion. We apply the truth to all that we experience. We relate to one another with honour. And then we flow in the power that we've been given by the Holy Spirit. So know who you are. Believe it. Choose his word over your circumstances. Choose his word over your emotions and your feelings. Embrace it as he embraces you. And you will see incredible fruit. Can you stand? Joe, can I have some keys? Is that right? I'm going to take you through that prayer that I just um, just sort of talked you through. Um, just take a minute now and ask the Holy Spirit, what are the circumstances that I'm not applying truth to? Just ask him. When you feel like he's showing you something or you're hearing something from him, just repent of that lie. Can I encourage you to do that out loud?
What's the truth, guys? Holy Spirit, reveal the truth. Speak the truth out loud, guys. Now, take all that pain and emotion and hand it over to God. And say to him, Father God, as I give this to you, what are you giving to me in return? He says you're free. You're loved. You're approved of. You've got what it takes. He sees you. You're not overlooked. You're an overcomer. You're not a failure. You have everything to give. There is a unique call on your life and you have a part in this body. You're strong. You're powerful. You have authority. You're gifted. He's proud of you. He delights in you. He loves you. Whatever it is, whatever you're carrying, change will come. He is the truth.
Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. You're so welcome here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our connection to the truth. We don't have to conjure anything up. You do it for us. Even in applying truth, it's a restful activity. Because it comes out of your love. Who wants to receive more of the Spirit this morning? Well, he's here. Take a big drink. If you're weary, the Holy Spirit wants to bring strength and refreshment to you this morning. So receive that. If you just want a fresh infill, he's with you. There might be people here who've never feel like they've never received the Holy Spirit. All you need to do in your heart is say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. And he will come. And some of you, in saying that, might feel nothing. But the truth is, he is here for you. Just keep receiving. <laughs> 